Hey everybody, Chris Harry with you on Chargers Weekly. We've got a great episode ahead. A bit later, I'll be joined by the LA Times' Dan Wojcicki. We'll discuss all of the Chargers free agency moves to date. But first, a conversation with Pac-12 Network's Yogi Roth from USC's Pro Day. Among the topics, his unique relationship with Sam Darnold, Pac-12 NFL prospects to watch, plus some insight into Melvin Gordon's process and work ethic that I think you'll really enjoy. All right, at USC Pro Day, heavy stuff just came down with Yogi Roth. Yogi, what was going on out there, man? <laughs> it was awesome. It was great. I mean, this place is just so unique. I think when you look major college football, um, sports in general, you know, here we are in Heritage Hall with all the Heismans and the trophies around it's us. It's gorgeous. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Um, and Pro Day was, was big time, too. You know, you've been to a bunch of them. I've been to a bunch of them. This place is just a little bit different. Um, when you look at the stars that come out from players in the past, to um, just the feel and the vibe. And then, of course, the anticipation for Sam. I mean, it was huge. And literally, it was like the perfect Hollywood script, right? It was a little sunny, and then the rain came, and then he absolutely crushed it um, in the environment. So dominant performance from Sam and, and really not shocked at all yeah. knowing him. But he, I think he did everything he needed to do to, to prove that he can clearly throw the football in any element necessary. Well, you talk about it, it was a who's who. At a, at a pro day. I was at UCLA's pro day. You were at UCLA's pro day last week, and it was great. Josh Rosen was the headliner, but you look out, you see Troy Aikman. You see Lynn Swan, Clay Helton. You see Matt Leinert. You see all these coaches and owners and GMs in attendance for Sam Darnold, and you got to spend some time with Sam Darnold this past season. You guys co-hosted a podcast, actually, the season of Sam, which I highly recommend. It was really cool to see his journey through the 2017 season. What did you learn about Sam throughout that process? Well, I think even prior to it, you know, we sat down in the summer. It was, if you do this, and if, if I do this, like, I want it to be, outside of playing in school, the most exciting thing that you do. And and he agreed to that. Like, he was pumped on it, you know, so much so that we talked about it and treated it as though it was a class. It was a master class for him where he was going to be able to pick the minds and creative spirits of just people in all walks of life that are living high-performance lives from coaches, former players, psychologists, artists, creatives, other athletes. Um, and he attacked it. He attacked it in the pre-production plan, like it was a game plan and how he was going to talk to them and what he wanted to get out of it. And we came in every, I think it was every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m., and he was ready. And, uh, so you guys, like, you did, you treated it like a class, kind of. Yeah, we had to, because the last thing I wanted to do was come up and just do an interview with Sam. The last thing he wanted to do was answer the same question he answered on Saturday night or Monday when he was at the media. Um, I wanted to get something out of it. And I think for all the talk around amateurism and college football, um, we forget a lot of times that they're still, Sam at the time was 20, and they're still growing and learning. Their minds aren't even fully developed until you're about 25, just in terms of your prefrontal cortex. So there's a lot of molding and shaping happening. And I wanted to take a listener inside it and also offer Sam, as a guy who's been around the quarterback position for a long time, you know, I met him when he was 16, I wanted to help maybe offer some tools. Yeah. So along with SE's Sports Information Department, Tim Tesla and company, we really curated, I thought, uh, an awesome palette for him to add tools. And we were just talking with some of those members of the uh, PR department here of like, wow, listening to him crush it in his interview in front of 50 media members afterwards, he had a command to his voice that he developed throughout the podcast and that repetition when you're on the other side and you're asking questions. It was almost like, I remember listening to the episode with Michael Gervais and he's taking notes about what he says. And it, it really is a masterclass on not only becoming a 
Pac-12 star, but also preparing for the next level. What would you point to in Sam's game and, and just what he, how he approaches the game that makes you say, hey, this is the number one overall pick in the NFL draft? Well, I, I've, you know, this is, uh, I think my 18th, 19th year in major college football. And I boiled the quarterback position down to one word. And I think you have to be a seeker. Of course, you have to throw. You have to have competitive temperament. All the stuff to just get in the game, get in the door. But you, you net out as that. Um, are you seeking knowledge for your craft, for yourself, for your teammates, for your body, for your spirit, for your soul, for the mind? And that's Sam. You know, Sam is curious. Like, he's insatiably curious. And he's not going to be the loudest guy in the room. But he's taken everything in, you know. He would take notes, and we would talk about him prior to and after each podcast. He would send a thank you note to everybody who came on that he would write with his hand, not with a, you know, his phone. I mean, he little really, things, the little things. You know, you listen to his interview on NFL Network afterwards, and the first thing he says is, you know, his confidence about his performance, and the second thing is, what a great job the equipment staff did to make sure the field was ready. You know, like he just has that it factor where he. His presence is felt, and he makes everyone around him better. And I think that's because he's a true seeker. Yeah, Los Angeles is like a hotbed for quarterbacks now, and I'm including Philip Rivers and Jared Goff. Both guys mm. went to the Pro Bowl this year. You got Rosen and Darnold, um, and those guys are always going to be linked together because they both will probably be top three, top five picks. What's the biggest difference between Rosen and Darnold? And when you're building a franchise, a lot of people have varying opinions about all five of these quarterbacks that we expect to go in the first round. Why is Josh Rosen also in that conversation with Sam Darnold? Yeah, to me, it's those two. And then you could talk about the rest of the group, in my eyes. Um, they're different perso- personalities and they have different backgrounds and not just um, in terms of how they were raised. You know, none of us were in their homes and know how they were parented. Sure. And both of their families are incredible. But in terms of Josh was a tennis prodigy as a kid meaning he was on an island as an individual athlete and at 15 was dubbed the number one or two quarterback in the country with a guy named ricky town pending which service you looked at sam was playing linebacker at that age you know sam his junior year got hurt sam had no hype coming into his senior campaign sam had no hype at sc sam didn't start till week four as a redshirt freshman so the first time he felt hype real hype was post Rose Bowl being like, whoa, what just happened yeah. after they beat Penn State in that epic comeback? And then he felt it. Josh had been feeling that since he, you know, at some stage, you know, you have to have different perspective in terms of the age that Josh was at, but he felt being the star, being the center of attention since he was a kid um, from everybody else from an athletic competitive domain. Sam hadn't had that. So I think that's a big difference between the two guys. Um, and I think for Josh, it's hardened him a little bit because he was at programs and things didn't go great. Sam, it opened his eyes as well as, okay, I need to really master my voice. And that's why you look at the podcast, you listen to him two years ago talk about his offense, now talking about football. Like His education, um, it's been a great spike where I think Josh has been this gradual climb because he was so exposed to being cover boy at age 15 and Sam didn't see a cover till preseason but it happened to be SI Sports Illustrated every preview magazine in the history yeah. of college football and I think that's a really unique perspective on those two that isn't probably talked about a lot other players on USC and at this pro day Uchenna Nuoso is a guy that hey the Chargers could be looking at at linebacker the Chargers need help stopping the run they need help at the linebacker position talk about Uchenna in the year he had 
and he was another late bloomer, if I'm not mistaken. He he didn't start football until high school, I believe. Yeah, he you know he was my uh, for the Pac-12 Networks. He was our defensive preseason player of the year, you know, and clearly proved it throughout the season. You could argue he should have been uh, unanimous every any award winner, you know. And you look at where he played in this defense, and you look at the transition in the NFL and Gus Bradley and what they're going to try to do on defense. This is a guy that can play overhang outside backer. He doesn't have to be in a sub package and get pulled. He can play three, four outside backer D end. You look at what he did, the ball is bad at his knack for the game at the line of scrimmage. Uh, the movement that's existing now on NFL defensive fronts. He's a he's a program changer. You know, he's a guy that clearly impact day one on special teams, but his athleticism is really unique. And you look at the league now, it's so much eleven personnel, three receivers, spread you out. Absolutely. He can move, he can play. And he also had the game taken away from him. Remember, he has hit his moments of adversity when he was a young player at USC, clearly bounced back. And then I look at the system he's, systems he's been in. Justin Wilcox, Clancy Pendergast. Um, he's trained, prepared to transition to a Gus Bradley defense. I think he's an awesome get if they can get him. His hometown, Carson, California. Perfect. Which is crazy. That's where the Chargers play right now. A couple other guys in the Pac-12, Vito Vea. That's another guy who was first team, Pac-12, big dude. What is he going to bring to an NFL team at the next level? Yeah, well, you're talking about the defensive player of the year. You know, and to me, when Solomon Thomas left last year, it was, okay, let's start talking about Vita Vey. He's the top 10 draft pick that will be like Solomon. He's a game wrecker. You watch him on film, and you're blown away. I mean, this is a guy who played running back in high school. To me, I'll never forget last year in training camp, I'm at, I'm at camp, and they're doing the tip drill for D linemen. And usually that's like a DB drill, right? Yeah. One guy tips it, and the guy behind him intercepts it, and away you go. They, the drill's been going on since Pop Warner. They do it on the defensive line, and he looks like he's a safety. You know, he can just move uniquely. He played special teams this year, too, yeah. didn't he? I mean, he, the guy can, can do a lot, and then you look at who he is and what he did academically. I mean, he's a high-functioning learner, you know, so at that position to be that physical, I mean, he can play the nose on the ball and be a space eater. He can play three technique and move because he's really dynamically athletic when he uses his hands and the brute strength that he has. And I think he's just coming into his body. Harrison Phillips, another guy, Stanford, wrestler. I think he was a three-time state champion wrestler. He's looked at as probably a day-two pick, was very productive at Stanford. When you look at Harrison Phillips, how does he translate to the next level? Freaky, you know, in, in my eyes, when you look at what he did, he led his team in tackles. Right as a defensive, as an interior defensive lineman, and he was getting double teamed all the time. Uh, you know, coming out of the state, I think Nebraska, three-time state champion in wrestling, a wrestling-heavy state. Um, and then you look at him off the field. I mean, I think he had like 133 hours of community service that he would do every off season. Wow. I mean, you talk to him about his. I remember asking him. I was calling one of their games. I said, "Any regrets about college?" He goes, "Yeah." He goes, I, "I I volunteered so much that I probably wish I." I just hung out more and was just a college kid. Think about that. Like That's really you, cool. Usually it's the other way. Like yeah. I didn't take advantage of college as much. Um, he's a guy that will be the player that you don't have to worry about. Yeah. You know, he's going to do his job. Is he going to light up the stat machine? Maybe, maybe not, but he's going to be in his gap. He's going to be really physical. Um, he's a guy that your, your, your point well taken potential second day guy um, or second round or wherever he falls but he'll have an influence on a team he's such a gritty and is intellectual intellectual brutality as they like to say at Stanford yeah um, will come across day one when he's when he's on a pro team because he's been trained like a pro player UCLA's Colton Miller is another guy that 
I think people are really blown away. You saw his combine performance. I think he set a record in the broad jump for an offensive lineman. 6'9", big dude, protected Rosen's blind side. Is he someone that you can see as a first-round pick? Because I think some people do have him projected as a potentially a day-one pick now. I think so. You look at the athleticism, it's just so unique. You know, I'm always amazed when I mean, you, you work with an NFL team. You know, I'm always amazed when I go down on the sideline for preseason or pregame, and you're like, wow, these guys are so much bigger than in college, right? It's like Nate Soldier when he was with Colorado. He's just a yeah. different guy. Colton's the same way. I mean, this is a guy who was a former tight end, pretty athletic guy, um, put the weight on. Didn't lose his athleticism, clearly showcased by the combine, and is still grown in the position. You know, will he be able to day one take on Julius Peppers at 18, 17, 18 year vet? <laughs> it may take a couple and, years. Yeah, he's not going to be that crafty, <laughs> but I look at Nate as a great example. You know, very similar styles and body types, you know, and then they come into the league, and Nate was an early pick, right, by the Patriots, I yeah. believe. Clearly, he just got paid, and he's a premier player in the NFL at that position. Colton's got that ability to do it. I think the hardest thing about the NFL is is the greediness to just to, to know, you know, yep. and the thing that you know about Colton is that he's been in three different systems. He's played spread where he's just, you know, zone setting all the time. He's been in West Coast pro-style running attacks. And this last year with Jed Fish, who's now with the Rams, um, what they were doing on offense was really unique and very adaptable and relatable to the NFL. So with the measurables, somebody's going to take him early. Yeah. Yogi, who are a few guys, maybe mid-round guys, that people aren't talking about from the Pac-12 that you could see having a, a pretty big impact at the next level? Well, I think Isaiah Oliver is going to be an early-round guy that yeah, yeah. doesn't get a lot of play. Um, I think he's your top one or two cornerback in, yeah. the, or in, the, in the country. Colorado. Yeah, out of Colorado. I mean, he's all the six-foot-one arms down in the middle of his thighs, really physical, comes from a football pedigree family. Came in as a wideout, uh, moved over, learned from guys like Cheetah Bay, Awuzie, uh, play guys that are playing in the NFL in the secondary, Kella Witherspoon, uh, learned from Jim Levitt, who came with an NFL background. Um, is a true lockdown corner. Has the speed to do it, has the physicality, and most importantly, can play the ball, yeah. play through the ball. So I, I think to me, he's a, he's a big time prospect. I think Deontay Burnett will be somebody that didn't work out today due to an injury. Um, as a receiver, left USC early. Uh, one of my favorite guys I've ever covered. I mean, this guy was a blue shirt. So f- for those that aren't familiar with that term, basically means that you don't get a scholarship on signing day and you get one day one of training camp. So you're not in that original 25 that sign. So you're basically scholarship 26. So you're the last guy offered a scholarly. He's wow. committed to Washington State comes to SC's dream school, played down the street in Southern California high school football, and crushed it. Most reliable third-down receiver in the Pac-12 conference. Tough as nails, makes plays. Um, didn't run because he was a little banged up. Didn't do a lot, so he's going to have to go off his tape, but somebody's going to take him. I will not be shocked if he is making you know, numerous third-down conversion catches in the NFL next year. He's going to be that type of guy, and that's honestly who he is. He's a fall-through-the-cracks kind of guy, and somebody's going to love him, and you've never heard of him, and all of a sudden it'll be like, um, who was the guy with the Saints a long time ago? Colston. We're like, nobody yeah, Marcus Colston. ever heard of him. You know, all of a sudden... Came like, in as like a tight end, exactly. seventh-round pick. Yeah, I mean, there's just guys like that that it happens all the time in the NFL, and to me, he'll be one of those. Yo, your resume goes far beyond just the Pac-12 network. I'd be doing it injustice if I didn't say that. And you have an awesome podcast. Most recently, I think maybe it was a couple of weeks ago, you had Melvin Gordon on your podcast. Tell me about your pod and just that conversation that you had with Melvin Gordon. Yeah, well, thanks for asking. Um, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm lucky to be able to do it. Uh, it's called Life Without Limits, and it's all around figuring out the answer to one question, and the question is, what does it mean to be human? And I love that question because I've always often gotten put in a box as an athlete. Oh, you're the slot receiver because you're 5'11", and sure. you don't run a 4-3, or you're this type of broadcaster, you're this type of storyteller, and I've hated that. Um, and I don't think being human is about being put in a box. I think being human is recognizing your potential is boundless and endless and explore that and fall into whatever passion you love and then put everything through that lens. So for me, it's uh, the humanity in sports around the globe. And I use that thought to go through my lens in college football. I look through th for the humanity in players, performance, schematics. The, the humans that are actually calling the plays and that's how I try to broadcast for the pac Network so the same thing with this podcast on interviewing people that are going for it and I'm trying to find out their way uh, we're in season 3 now and it's really season 3 has been about asking people how they are seeking to become their best self. So for Melvin, I did an event with this company called Thusio, and they let me record the event. It's a private event for business people in, in Southern California as well as around the country. And we talk to high performers, and I get to interview them. And the, the biggest pride I take in those interviews is I try to never say the thing they do. So with Melvin, I never once said Rams outside of the introduction. Or, or excuse me, never once said Chargers, never once said NFL, um, but talked to more about his life fundamentally in general. And it was really cool to to hear his perspective. I knew his college coach, Gary Anderson. Yeah. Um, and it was a blast to just to hear where he came, came from. And this is a guy that was literally picking out of trash bins, water bottles to use as cones to train in high school. You know, he would train at th two in the morning when he was in college at Wisconsin and call his teammates up and be like, hey, I hope you got home safe, but I'm getting it in right now. Yeah. Um, just ph phenomenal. And, it's a great conversation. Uh, great, great, great dude and, and somebody that I think is just getting going. Chargers fans, you got to check that one out. Yogi, what else are you working on right now, man, as we get closer to, I guess, spring football? Yeah, well, I'm all spring ball now. You know, um, did a couple pro days, like you referenced, UCLA here. I'll head out to ASU. Um, I'll, I'm calling SC, UCLA, and Cal spring game, do some draft coverage for us, kind of make the rounds, see the teams. Um, and then I'm finishing up a new film. Uh, it'll probably come out, if not this fall, or right after next season, uh, which is awesome. I went and sailed around South America. It's called The Cape, and it's five people who never met go sail the most dangerous sea in the world and openly talk about all of our fears. It's awesome, dude. Yeah, so I'll make sure I'll let you know when that comes out. But I'm pumped, man. Football season's here. I'm really excited about the Chargers. I've known Gus Bradley for a long time. What do you think about Gus? Gus is one of the best humans I've ever been around. I mean, he's contagious. He's infectious. Um, he's, he's everything you want. I think he'd be a great college head coach, to be honest with you. I tell him that every time I see him. <laughs> I got to know his son, uh, quarterback, um, last year in high school through the Elite 11, Carter talented player just gritty competitor everything you'd think from a coach's son uh, but yeah i'm excited and, and it's a great get for your organization well just the fact that we've been able to keep him as well you know that that first season you come in a new scheme you look at all these players that they have like casey hayward and obviously jason Verrett's hurt right now but joey bosa melvin ingram to bring all these guys together at the end of the season, they were humming, man, on all cylinders. Yeah, really impressive. And, and I'm excited for L.A., too. I mean, I went to a couple games down there. It was fun. Yeah. You know, like, I, I would love if, like, the fans started chanting like it was a soccer game just because it's in a cool stadium <laughs> like that. But I think it's great for L.A. is 
you know, Los Angeles, as you referenced off the top, what a great year for quarterbacks. Um, you know, the city, what a great city for that position. And then, of course, you know, college football, the NFL. I mean, it's, it's really fun. There's so many people here. You see the passion for the game. So I'm pumped to watch what you guys are Just doing. so much excitement, man. The, the, the Coliseum's getting remade. We got a, a new stadium in Inglewood in a couple of years. So football, I mean, L.A. is really going to be the, the center of the football universe here in a couple of years. Yeah, and you got Rip Shear. Who's one of my favorite guys of all time? I, mean, <laughs> I interviewed Rip. I interviewed Rip a couple of weeks ago. He was phenomenal. He's got tons of stories. We got we got Josh and Skip in uh, from yeah. from UCLA with the Chargers now. So a little bit of Pac-12 flavor. It's Yogi, awesome stuff, man. Uh, at Yogi Roth on Twitter, yogiroth.com. If you want to learn more about what you got going on, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Hi, right, brother. All right. All right, here with Dan Wojcicki on Chargers Weekly, talking a little free agency. Dan, first, I missed you at these pro days. I was at USC yesterday, UCLA last week. It was pouring, so you didn't miss anything. But but where were you? Because people were asking. I was. I'm. I'm been. Uh, I'm on, under some form of house arrest right now. My my wife and I made a free agent acquisition of ourselves, and we got a puppy, and um, that is what I've been doing the last few days. This isn't a. Been, this uh, isn't a second wave of free agency edition. This is a like day one free agent, right? <laughs> <laughs> this is this is we acquired him on the first day possible, and um, yeah, so little guy around to make sure he doesn't eat any uh, courts or anything like that. Or what does he like to do? Oh, he likes to run into screen doors. <laughs> okay, okay, I so like that. What's his name? What kind of pup? Okay, so he's a golden doodle. His name is B. Arthur, named after which we understand is a female name, but like <laughs> um, he's named after the Golden Girls character because he's a, originally we wanted a girl. We thought that was such a good dog name that we we're just like it's 2018. Gender's pretty fluid now. Just name be a name B. Arthur. He's a dog. We can call him Arthur. That's great. That's the boy's name. <laughs> I saw Pigs, man. He's so yeah. cute. Is he okay? Have you talked to the Chargers about maybe bringing him to work? Maybe hanging out. You know, like, I haven't yet. We'll see when we get to that point. Um, He would be a fun, like, bring him to practice one day. Like, maybe I could get, like, a baby Bjorn and wear him. Oh, God. He's super cute. Like, he's so – I know. Yeah, he's – he's, like, the kind of dog, like, before we even had him, when we saw pictures of him, it was like, I was Googling dog bow ties. He's got four bow ties. Does he already? (laughs) Yeah. What, like, like, I don't own a bow tie. My dog's got four. He's clean. He's got. He's, he's got to look clean, man. He's wearing a navy one today. I love it. <laughs> All right. Well, let's yeah. let's talk a little free agency from a Chargers yes. perspective. I, I think the word I would use to describe this period for the Chargers, Dan, is efficient. There there aren't a ton of glaring holes outside sure. of kicker. You take care of that. You bring in Caleb Sturgis from the Eagles. Mike Pouncey gets released from the Dolphins. Opportunity to get better up front. You bring him in. You're aggressive getting him signed. And I think that's where I want to start because I know you talked to Nick Hardwick about Pouncey coming to L.A. What about Pouncey should Chargers fans be excited about? Nick pointed out two things. I mean, obviously loves his athleticism um, and, and, you know, talked about the technical stuff of how he's able to kind of get out and, and, and block guys before they cross the line of scrimmage and, and kind of make that first contact. But he also talked a lot about attitude and toughness and and, you know, this is a guy who obviously early on in his career um, was defined by things like a bullying scandal in Miami and stuff like that, you know, a friendship with Aaron Hernandez. And I think as he's become a, a, a more a mature professional football player, the thing that everybody talks about him is that this is a guy who's a leader in the clubhouse. It, it was it was interesting um, – or locker room, I'm sorry. Uh, it was interesting, I thought, when he was released, there was some chatter, you know, that – 
Miami was trying to maybe like reshape some culture stuff. And it seemed like a lot of people went out of their way to be like, no, that's not what's happening here. This is a strictly a money thing um, that they liked what he brought to their locker room. And I think getting a guy along that offensive line, that that's really become kind of a leadership kind of uh, a leadership sort of position on the Chargers with when you, you know, you add him when you've got a guy like Russell Okung as well. Um, you know, two really important voices, I think, in the locker room. That, that That's going to be a good thing for this team. Um, and, and honestly, this is a team that needs to get better at running the football. And, and that's when you add a guy, that's what Nick said, is like you add a guy who's tough like this, who, you know, he used, he used the phrase the tip of the spear, and you can dent a defense right in the heart. Yeah. And that's that's what that's what they get. And and I think it, it probably when they went into free agency, if, if you know, let's go, hey, are you going to spend money on a center? Um, you probably would have said no. I, I don't think that was necessarily the plan, but like you said, the opportunity arose, and that's been sort of their position throughout free agency has been to kind of react to the market and see where value lies and, and, and then make moves when, when, when it's there. Yeah, and this is a guy, 93 starts. He was a three-time Pro Bowler. He played in all 16 games yeah. last season. I know he had some some injuries earlier on in his career. Um, and it's another mm-hmm. vet on the line, Dan, that, that can really help Feeney and Lamp along on the interior. You talk about a nice blend of, of vet and youth with Okung, Pouncey, Barksdale, and then you got the young guys, Lamp and Feeney. Yeah, and I mean, I think, too, adding Michael Schofield um, or bringing back Michael Schofield, I think, helps there, too. So now you've got two guys in Spencer Pulley and Michael Schofield that can play multiple multiple positions Yes, um, in, a back, in a backup capacity. You've got Sam Tevy, who did pretty well last year in his opportunities. Um, you know, and, and then we'll see if they, they, they add Daps again, you know, during the draft. I think that's a possibility as well. Um, but, I, but I think you're right. I mean, this is a group that has really been transformed here in the last, you know, starting last season. Um, really liked Anthony Lynn has always spoken very highly of offensive line coach Pat Meyer. I mean, that is a, that is a refrain, um, when he talks about kind of the way that group has played. And he believed, I mean, I mean, we're coming up, I think on the, you know, the one year anniversary of, um, the, the, my first NFL owners meetings in, in Phoenix. And remember sitting down and having breakfast with Anthony Lynn talking about this football team and him repeatedly talking about how he, he believed that the, the makings of a good offensive line were there and how it didn't, it seemed like a huge weakness and not really a, a thing that could be fixed by one signing. Um, and it wasn't, um, Russell Kuhn was super helpful, but I think it was more of kind of an overall, kind of different attitude, different scheme, and, and, and it fit the players. And, and that that group, you know, I think outperformed expectations last year, and they should be even better this year. And I think keeping with that theme, Dan, another under-the-radar signing, you bring over Virgil Green, you take him away from a division rival. He's a blocking tight end, sure. but he does have some pass-catching ability. I was actually in Denver a couple of seasons ago when the quarterback competition was Mark Sanchez versus Trevor Simeon. And Virgil Green yes. was making plays in the preseason, really with, with his hands. You know, he's known as that is that blocking tight end. And I think it just goes to what Anthony Lynn talked about at the combine, and really after the season, they want to get better in the run game, and it certainly shows by bringing in guys like Virgil Green. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I think he's. I mean, I mean, again, sort of like not a super sexy signing, not the kind of thing that happens like you know when free agency opens. You, you're not going to see that name, you know, flash across the ticker you know, an NFL network or an ESPN or anything like that. But it is the kind of signing that makes your team better. It gives you depth, you know, at a position where you've got Hunter Henry, where you might be bringing back Antonio Gates. I mean, like, those three guys could certainly all function together in concert, I think. Um, 
you know, and, and if Antonio Gates decides to not come back and want something different, then I do think you have a guy capable uh, of being kind of in the mix on, on, like you said, you know, in some passing situations more than just a blocker. Obviously, that's his biggest strength, and, and that'll help a lot. That'll help Melvin Gordon a lot on the outside. You've got a guy blocking down on the inside of Mike Pouncey, and it's, you know, and you bring Forrest Lamp in, and okay, like now all of a sudden you're looking at a guy who ran for 1,100 yards last year. You know, maybe things get a little easier on him. And that obviously trickles down to everybody else. That trickles down to Phillip Rivers. It, it it forces teams to not pass rushes aggressively, and and that'll give more time for Keenan Allen to get open, more time for Tyrell Williams and T- Travis Benjamin to get down the field. That there's a lot of there's a lot of benefits to being able to run the ball better. I think this O line over the last two seasons, you can see. 